The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who on this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio Show. Alex Clancy solo in studio today. It's a wonderful Monday morning. Hope the weekend went well for everybody. Uh, Kwame is on location in uh, Orlando, and Deborah, I believe, is still in Myrtle Beach doing the Deborah thing on the grind as usual. Uh, much respect to her for for doing everything that she does every week. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, NFL Arizona Cardinals are now in the playoff hunt. Who would have thought that going into the regular season this year? A shakeup in the top of the BCS. And uh, we'll talk some NBA as well. Uh, I do want to start the show off talking about the mindset of college football players. And what I mean by that is I'm going to talk about Stanford primarily. Stanford loses to USC in a tight game uh, this past Saturday. I think the BCS is doing college football players a disservice by the way they make up the bowl system and the national championship game. Granted, this is going to be the last year of it, but in recent history, I feel like, take Stanford this year, they lose to Utah, a team they shouldn't have lost to early on in the season, midway through the season, I think either week six or seven, and that's got to detriment the thought process of these players. Now, they win a bunch of games in a row, and I think it's difficult to turn back on that killer instinct once you lose a game and... More times than not, that will end your national championship bid. And for seniors and for the NFL pro-style offense that Stanford runs and the, the way the organization is run as a whole, I think that it's very difficult for the team, for the players to turn the, turn that switch back on once losing a game. And once you get back into the mix like they had with still an outside chance to make it to the national championship game, they slip up and use to USC, lose to USC. I'm, I'm happy that the BCS will be done after this year. And uh, I do feel bad for the players that have had to play through the BCS due to the mindset of, if I lose one game, then I have no chance of winning a national championship this year. Now, segueing into USC, wow. This is probably the biggest surprise, in my opinion, in, NFL, in, in the NCAA football this year. After firing Lane Kiffin on September 28th after the uh, blowout at Arizona State, they lost 62-41. Lane Kiffin gets fired that night. Uh, the teams get te- the team gets texted at three o'clock in the morning. Say, hey, you guys have a new coach. Uh, come come next game, and that coach, in my opinion, should be in the running for coach of the year in NCAA football. Ed Orgeron, Coach O, as he's known as uh, around the USC circle, has taken them on a five and one run. The only game they lost to is Notre Dame uh, by four points, uh, which they didn't play their best game. But it's tough to play in South Bend, especially with a new coach. Uh, but they, they beat Stanford 2017. They haven't played the best uh, competition, but now they've got themselves ranked 23rd in the new BCS polls, which I think is just a testament to you work hard as a coach, you sit on the bench, and you wait for your time. 
Every coach has done this. You get a chance to shine, either you do or you don't, and that window could be as small as as a you know as anything as a speck of dust. And this guy, at the beginning of the year, you know he's he, he's he's on the coaching staff. Lane Kiffin is the big name that they brought in. Uh, a lot of people were questioning it. A lot of people thought that maybe he was just brought in to weather the storm of all the sanctions that were held after Pete Carroll left. Lane Kiffin has had is notorious for just not being the greatest guy, not being the greatest leader. Uh, he, he he was manhandled when he went to the NFL to coach Oakland. You know Tennessee, he was there. He wasn't really liked that well. They had a little success, but you know he was never really the favorite guy in the room. Comes to USC, really again a questioned decision by Pat Hayden, but I think that with Coach O getting the chance, he's now made a coach controversy in USC. They have thought previously that they would bring in, you know, maybe John Gruden. He'd ask for eight or nine million dollars. He'd ask for Nick Saban money to come in and coach there. Uh, They interviewed Jack Del Rio that had just came out officially uh, uh, within the past week, and I don't think he's the, I don't think he's the guy either. Coach O is passionate. He's very Pete Carroll-like on the field. He, he's he's kind of like a kid that loves what he's doing, and this is his chance. He's coaching a team that has been heralded over the years as one of the top football, uh, one of the top football schools in the United States, and they're always relevant. They're always talked about, regardless of their record. And I think that he might get to keep this job. I, I talked with a couple friends, and I actually talked to my father about this. He asked me after the Stanford win if if Coach O would be able to keep his job, and I right away I said probably not. You know he's not USC, uh, he's not USC quality, quote unquote. And what does that mean really anymore? Because they haven't won anything since Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart left. All they've done is produce awful quarterbacks in the NFL, and it'll be really interest, interesting to see what happens in uh, in Los Angeles to see if this this man who's who's revitalized this this school. So maybe he'll he'll be able to keep his job. Uh, I really hope that's the case, uh, and, and and we'll see what happens. Now talking back about Stanford, they lose their out officially now of the of the BCS championship race. Ohio State is number three, which again I've talked to ad nauseum about how I don't believe that they deserve that just because they're ten and zero, just because they have a high profile uh, coach, and just because they're the Ohio State University. Alabama won. Florida State 2, Ohio State 3. It's not really that tight of a race. Three hundredths of a percentage between first and second. Seems like not that much, but I mean it is in the BCS standings. If they both win out, then that should be your national championship game. Uh, and again, But it will be interesting to see if Ohio State can sneak in there somehow if, if they choose to win out. Um, if they choose to. If, if they end up winning out. Baylor's number four, and they are... 13 thousandths of a point behind Ohio State. So if Baylor can win a game that that the BCS deems worthy of jumping Ohio State, which I don't think is possible, then that will be very interesting. The bottom line is the last year of the BCS championship series is going to be interesting. There's going to be controversy. There's going to be... Uh, there's going to be favoritism towards big universities, in my opinion. Even though the Big Ten has tapered off mightily in the past few years, Ohio State is still Ohio State. Oregon has an outside chance. They're they're nine and one, but but they're number five. They need a lot of stuff to shake up towards the top for anything to happen there. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. And a big shout out to Arizona State. You know, 
we didn't expect this from Todd Graham this early. Well, I didn't at least. They're they're ranked seventeenth, eight and two overall. You know, there's some there's some fire in the desert now. There is some fire in the desert for college football, college sports in general, NFL. Uh, Phoenix, uh, the um, the hockey team made the playoffs a couple years ago. Uh, Phoenix is now a very very exciting place to live when it comes to sports. There's always been the four major sports here, uh, but it, the fair weather fans in Arizona that I've known since that I've realized since I've moved here is prevalent. You know, people would go to the Cardinals games to see who they were playing. There's been a sellout every game since the since the uh, erecting of University of Phoenix Stadium. But a lot of times it would always be just to, a lot of times it would just be to see who they were playing, which is interesting. Now the Cardinals being six and four in the playoff hunt. Phoenix has a pulse again, and it's really, really exciting. It's really, really exciting. So let's let's segue over to the NFL. Cardinals, as I just previously mentioned, six and four. They've won three games in a row. They're tied for second in the NFC West. Uh, they beat Jacksonville. Yeah, okay, fine. Jacksonville's only a one loss team, a one win team, I should say. Uh, the game was close early on. Uh, was, there was a blown coverage uh, on Jacksonville's first possession that resulted in a sixty-two yard touchdown pass from Chad Henney, and Right when I watched that, I'm like, "Oh man, not not this one. We, they can't they can't afford a hiccup game here with Seattle and San Francisco above them in the division." Uh, but they they powered through, you know. Uh, longest touchdown pass since 1988, Carson Palmer to Michael Floyd, 93 yard touchdown, 93 yard touchdown catch that that brought them back in the game. The defense played really well. They they shut Jacksonville down after the first quarter, having scored 14 points. And uh, they shut him down. You know, twenty-seven fourteen was the final. Carson Palmer threw for f- over four hundred yards. It's and this is probably the most exciting team. I'm a huge, I'm a huge uh, NFL fan, as I'm sure most people are, uh, with regards to all four major sports. This is number one, and I and I give that a lot of that credit to Roger Goodell for promoting the game so well, and and Paul Tagliabue and and the commissioners before them. But this is exciting. The Cardinals, they didn't get a run game going like, like they had in recent weeks. But Carson Palmer, this is what you get from him. You get turnovers, yes. But you can get a lot of big yardage games from him and a lot of touchdowns, a la Kurt Warner. You know, you have these veteran guys come in that know how to play football. They know how to run an offense. Bruce Arians, I give credit to him for meshing with a new quarterback and a new team this quickly, bringing them from the depths of hell to actual contention for a playoff position. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald scored a touchdown pass. You know, he's, he's old faithful. He's not going to get you every time, but when you need him, he's there. And the receiving core is starting to come into their own. Michael Floyd played really well. And, you know, uh, if you can get production from your tight end like they did with Rob Hausler, and they, they brought in Jake Ballard, which I think was a great pickup, uh, I think he started with the Giants, went to New England, got cut because they have 19 tight ends there. He came in. He's got great hands. He's, good, he's a great blocker. And a tight end is a quarterback's best friend on third downs or, or, or must-convert situations. If the run game can continue to produce, I don't think Rashard Mendenhall's the answer, but I think if Andre Ellington can cannot slump down the stretch, He's one of the most electric running backs, especially young running backs in the NFL. So all of that coupled together makes the Cardinals a really, really exciting team to watch, an exciting team to root for, because they're they're a working man's team. 
They don't have flash. They, th- with this vertical offense, they have more than they did in recent history with Bruce Arians uh, implementing this. But they just grind. Their defense is fantastic. They're a top 10 defense in the NFL. And th- that was a big question mark. You know, you, you had some injuries uh, on the front seven. The, the linemen were banged up. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, well, Jonathan Cooper was on the offensive side, but you had injuries. And Teron Matthew drafted in the third round. You didn't know what you were going to get from him. He made a huge touchdown saving tackle yesterday. Patrick Peterson warranted that first round pick that, that they took on him. So the excitement level in Phoenix is it's vibrant, it's exciting. People actually, well, they're on the bandwagon now. And I feel like if there's just relevancy with all the teams, even take the Suns for example, you know, they they're having a way better year than teams thought than than analysts and and fans thought they'd have thus far. Who knows if it'll if it'll continue, but there's I'm going to say it for the 10th time, there's excitement in Arizona. And in my upwards of four years living here, watching sports, covering sports, doing everything that I've done, researched, it hasn't been here. It hasn't been here. So I'm, I'm excited. And, and I think that if the Cardinals can continue this run, can continue this, this brand that they're, that they're trying to, that they're trying to uh, make for themselves, I think we could see good things from the Arizona Cardinals for many years to come. So, uh, having said that, we'll take a break. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back in about 90 seconds. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? 
Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy solo in studio today. Uh, we've talked about USC, Stanford, a little bit about BCS. Uh, we've talked about the Arizona sports in general, Cardinals 6 and 4. Hopefully, uh, good things will continue to roll for them. I have on the line Michael Clancy. Michael, how's everything going today for you? Good. Good morning. Good morning. How are uh, you? I'm doing well. You're probably the biggest USC fan I know. So I'd like to ask you, what do you think about Coach O and USC? Well, Coach O has all of a sudden put Pat Hayden in a difficult situation. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he was always going to be part, even if he had gone wherever many games there are, if he'd gone 3-3 three and three or 4-4, four and four, um, he would have been, uh, you know, rewarded. He would have been an assistant to the new guy coming in. And now... He's gone out. Uh, Andre Hadari doesn't miss uh, three field goals in the Notre Dame game, and they would be undefeated. So they're four and one, five and one right now. And he's put um, Pat Hayden in a difficult position with the players, especially who love this guy. I think the fans love this guy. I think America probably loves this guy, but I'm not sure this is who Pat Hayden had in mind. You know, more like a John Gruden or. Kevin Sumlin or somebody like that. And so uh, this is very, very big business, this USC football. And um, to have to go through another, if he gives uh, Coach O the job and, and, you know, maybe it doesn't pan out so well, to have to go through this again would be bad. So, uh, and I, I think he's pretty much in a no-win situation um, if, if he steps over him. Uh, I think people will be disappointed if he goes outside uh, or, or if he stays with him. He runs the risk of this being, you know, a one-hit a one hit wonder. Well, so, do you think you can give him a, a two-year deal and just contingent upon wins and you let him know, hey, I, I, I want you to be our coach. I want to do it on an interim basis, but I'll give you a contract so you'll get a little money in your pocket. And if it doesn't pan out, at least I gave you the shot before just bringing in somebody that has no – I mean, Jack Del is a USC guy. So that that would be the most organic way to do it, even though he's probably the least the, the least competent, the least uh, uh, well, I could say competent of Gruden and Sumlin. Even though I think Sumlin's a uh, a Johnny Manziel uh, byproduct, but do you think that you give him a chance, and then if it doesn't work out, you shake hands, and be like, "Hey, thank you for for what you did for us this year. Thank you for bringing some 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 pulse back to USC, but it's just not working out." Well, I think that would be fine. They they did that with Don Manningly. I mean, they they fulfilled the last year of his contract. Now he may get an extension over the winter, uh, but that's one scenario. It's very difficult for Coach O, who has a two-year commitment, to go around the country to these high school seniors and say, "Come play for me." Uh, you know, are you going to be there in two years when I'm when I'm in my junior year? Uh, so football, college football, is. It's very, you know, 
these parents are giving you these, you know, five-star athletes their life. Here, go play for this guy with the assumption that he's going to be there. So when Pete Carroll was there, that was another question. And, you know, all of the other, you know, uh, Nick Saban, there's there's really no question. Uh, So I think it's difficult to do that. I really do. I think you'd have to commit to him. He'd get him cheaper than Gruden. Uh, But if it didn't work out in two years, you'd just let him go or you know, and, and eat the money. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see it more of as a win-win than a lose-lose. I think there's there, people are watching USC and being excited about USC football again. So this, this year has been a win. So I think if there's a hangover next year, you, you cut the ties and, and then you maybe go with a big name, but what is a big name really anymore? I mean, I feel like coming back to college, John Gruden, I don't think is going to leave unless he gets $10 million. He's got the best job in America. But having said that, if John, John Gruden would be my choice if they were going to bring him in because he's the he's the quarterback guru, and if you want to bring that thought process and that knowledge into a into a franchise into a school that has really had no real exciting, real consistent uh, quarterback play that has been you know excellent, I think he would be the guy. And and he's he, and he's a face and he's a name and if you, if he walks into your living room you go to fo- you go to school there. So out of the three, I would pick him. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't want to dwell too much on this. Uh, I kind of want to let's jump to another California franchise, somebody that some team that's a little bit uh, meddling at this point, San Diego Chargers. What is going on with them? Four and six. They yeah. had a chance to be tied for the second wild card spot, the only wild card spot that will be fought after because either Kansas City or Denver will get the other one. What what's going on? Well, listen, I, I, you know, I watched the Chargers um, outside of that uh, throw the ball three times on the goal line a couple of weeks ago and, and not and lose the game. Uh, I think this McCoy, I think he's a good coach. I, I think he really uh, shows promise in what he's doing, but he walked into a team that had no talent. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a, almost like... Uh, Turning around a college program, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some recruiting classes. You gotta have some drafts. He's got to get his guys in there. Um, so I, I don't think this is necessarily bad. I, I think this kind of year for them allow them to stockpile some good draft choices. Uh, I, I, I think it's fine. I, I think they're they're certainly playing better than they did under North Turner. Um, you know, they're competitive and they're in games. Um, so I, I, I don't, this guy's got a five-year contract and, um, you know, we give him a few years, he'll be, uh, I think he's going to do well. I mean, the numbers are there though for the Chargers. If you can run on Miami, that's usually a recipe for success. Ryan Matthews is coming, coming into his own here after all the injuries and he, he looks like the dynamic back that they thought they were going to get when they drafted him. So I don't, and Philip Rivers threw for almost 300 yards. The receiving core is okay. Keenan Allen left with an injury, which hopefully isn't uh, too serious. Hopefully he won't miss any time. Antonio Gates got in the end zone. And their defense only gave up 20 points. So this is the question we've been, at, we've been asking as Chargers fans for a long time. Where's the disconnect? Is it just because it's an easy breezy city and there's really no, really no pressure to win there? I mean, is it just like the, the place where people have Super Bowls and go on vacation for and there happens to be a football team? I mean, I really think that if, and before all of the talks uh, uh, stumbled with building a stadium in L.A., I think that if they would have moved to L.A. when when the opportunity was there, 
that there would be some pressure put on them, which I believe would yield, if not better results, that it would yield the personnel to change so the people that could that could uh, do it under pressure would actually come and play for the Chargers. Well, you have to remember, they're coming off four or five years of North, North Turner and A.J. Smith, which is just, you know, frickin' frack. Right, but, it, but it's a win-now league. It, correct. So I, I think that, that this is, um, that football is important here. Um, the, the, the fan base wants them to stay here. Everything in any sport is management. And then you can list all of the things, you know, Jim Harbaugh goes to uh, to uh, you know San Francisco, and all of a sudden the same team is in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, and and so uh, you know, I mean, re 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 upping North Turner year after year after year it gave them no chance to win. So they finally, you know, cleaned house upstairs. They've got in some players. I mean, they even have you know Danny Woodhead just. Uh, my second favorite player in the NFL next to uh, Wes Welker. Um, just, you're right, Ryan Matthews and the change-up with Danny Woodhead and Gates can still kind of get down the field. They're, they're, they've got some pieces, and um, they're, going to, uh, they're going to get better because I like this coach. So do you draft a quarterback in the upcoming draft? I mean, you have uh, you, you know have, you have Charlie Whitehurst, who is. But, but I'm not a Philip Rivers fan at all. Um, but he's put up some pretty good numbers. I, I think here, here's what I do: I draft a couple offensive tackles, yeah. and that would probably do more for the team than a quarterback. Because I think even though he can't he can't move at all, the guy if he can sit back there for a while, he he seems to be able to find them. Right. I mean, Peyton Manning can't move. Tom Brady can't move. I mean, it, that that's not really an excuse. If you're a pocket quarterback, you're not supposed to be able to move. You're not supposed like that's before all this spread op, read option crap that's coming to the NFL that is seeming to wane at this point through injury or otherwise. That's that's what it used to be like. I mean, take Steve Young away. You know, in the '90s, he kind of he was able to do it. You have Randall Cunningham. Guys in the past have kind of been able to do do both. Donovan McNabb, but this is what it's supposed to be like. And maybe you do draft offensive linemen. I mean, I guess that that's a good point because you have the offensive talent around you. You have it. You have more offensive talent than many teams in the NFL. So, and you have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. Mike McCoy, look what he did with Peyton last year. Well, I mean, and, and I and I feel like offensive coordinators for Peyton Manning have the best job in the world because all you do is just sit there and just be like, okay, hey, go ahead. You know, I mean, it's that's kind of could be could be overstated, but. I think they have the pieces, and I just think that the cojones are not there. And I think it's it's been this way for a long time. Look at when they had the best team in the NFL for three or four years in a row, and Marty Schottenheimer was bringing them down. I mean, you finish fourteen and two, you fire him for a reason. And I and I think well, I think AJ Smith wanted to bring Norvin, so I guess you're right. The management is is a big piece, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the especially towards the end of the year here because they're still vying. There's eight teams vying for the last for the last spot. In the playoffs, so if they can put a couple wins together, uh, we'll see. But they have to play Kansas City twice, and they have to play Denver again. So, yeah, I would I would be hoping for a good draft choice of three. That's what I would be hoping for for the rest of the year. I, I think they'll they'll come back and they'll be much better. All right. Well, we do have to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit more NFL. Uh, Michael Clancy joining me, Alex Clancy in studio. We'll be back in a little bit. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Uh, We were talking about the San Diego Chargers and USC Trojans in the last segment. I'd like to switch over to two games in particular from the NFL yesterday, Saints 49ers and Broncos Chiefs. Saints 49ers first. Saints 23-20 over the 49ers. It shows that the Saints can win ugly. They don't have to put up 40 points to win, which is a very, very good thing and scary thing. Good thing for them, scary thing for the rest of the NFL. Colin Kaepernick, 17 of 31 for 129 yards. He's thrown for 220 yards combined in the last two games. 6-4. and four. They've lost the last two games. This is uh, I'd be starting to worry if I was if I was a 49ers fan. Frank Gore didn't give as much to them as they they had wanted. He only had 13 carries. I don't understand why Jim Harbaugh would go away from what worked last year with Alex Smith predominantly of just run and defense. Run the ball, play defense, try to score from your defense as much as possible, and it worked for them last year. And obviously, with Colin Kaepernick being a read option guy. It's not as easy to do. He's not as good of a game manager as Alex Smith was. And we'll talk about the Alex Smith-Colin Kaepernick thing towards the end of the segment. What do you think, Michael Clancy, on online? Do you think that the 49ers are in trouble? And do you think that this shows more about the Saints or about the 49ers? Well, there is something wrong with the 49ers. There's been something wrong with the 49ers all year. 
I, I, I think it goes beyond, you know, um, Crabtree being out and Manningham being out and Vernon Davis being hurt. There's something missing that they were dominant on both sides of the ball the last two years, and it's not there. Um, so uh, Kaepernick, yeah, it's a different, it's a different, um, you know, offense than last year. It's a pocket-oriented offense, but you know, he he has had all of his receivers out. Um, he still he's a second-year quarterback, um, and and I think. You know, uh, I, you know, RG three isn't as good as second year. I think Luck is, and, and Wilson is. So, um, but to me, something's wrong. There, there's there's something missing, and I don't know what it is. But they're not the same team, in my opinion. So let's let's talk about this now. Alex Smith, he was a fantastic game manager for the beginning of last year. You have Jim Harbaugh coming in from an NFL style offense at Stanford coming into, obviously, an NFL-style offense in San Francisco. You run the ball, you play defense, you have an able-bodied quarterback. Granted, Jim Harbaugh had Andrew Luck, so that probably made his job a little bit easier. Uh, you had a good running back with Stephon Taylor there. You had, you, know, you had good receivers, not fantastic, not USC receivers. And he comes in now, and he has Alex Smith. He revitalizes his career. He cuts the playbook down to only plays that Alex Smith could run in the passing game. Because I mean, you saw last night with him, he can't really throw the ball down the field. He, he had a couple down. He had a couple last night, but m- more errant than not. And then they trade him, and I, I I don't understand. I don't know how happy Jim Harbaugh is about that. I'm sure you take with what you have. Kaepernick, of course, was electric last year. He got them to the Super Bowl, and I mean, it, if it weren't for a blackout, you know. Uh, maybe you go through the game. I mean, I know that that brought him back in the game, but I think the fluidity of it might have changed things, and they were a fourth down and five from the goal line to from winning the Super Bowl. So I understand why you would trade him. In theory, from, from upper management, you put more people in the stands, they sell out anyways. What is going through Jim Harbaugh's mind right now when you have to dumb the offense down, Not you have to cut it down, so Colin Kaepernick can run plays that will be effective. I don't know what he's going to do in the upcoming weeks, but again, you said something needs to change and something's wrong. I think Colin Kaepernick needs to learn that you don't have to be flash all the time. You can do a five- or seven-step drop, throw a seven-yard out to Anquan Bolden, and be happy with it all the time. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Alex Smith didn't look so hot last night either. Uh, so let's go over there. Broncos beat the Chiefs 27-17. First loss for the Chiefs. It was a good game. Uh, uh, Peyton Manning shows who he is. Uh, he threw the ball a bunch. He threw for 300 yards, a little over 300 yards. Uh, he threw the ball 40 times. No, Sean Moreno carried the ball 27 times. So that shows how many plays they're running and still how much balance there is on the defensive Broncos offense, uh, on the offensive part of the defund, uh, of the Denver Broncos, and that's that, that's rare. I mean, obviously, not everybody's going to be able to do that. Not everybody has the wherewithal to call plays at the line like Peyton Manning does. But then you go to the other side. Alex Smith, twenty-one of forty-five, two hundred thirty yards. He threw two touchdowns, which is fine. I mean, they're okay numbers, but you never want Alex Smith throwing the ball that much. And well, 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, continue. I, what do you think? I mean, and Jamal Charles, probably the – he's a top three back, especially out of the back for, with his with his pass-catching ability. 16 carries. You know, and for 78 yards, and 35 of them were on one play. So, obviously, they're, they're, the Broncos' defensive scheme was to stop the run and make Alex Smith be a passer, and it worked. Well, I think that um... – you know, Kansas City is a defensive team. And so if they, if they go around the league, if that defense can be stout, uh, then they don't, you know, that, that they need maybe 17, 20 points, and they can win, you know, a lot of their games. Uh, they were never going to You could just watch that game and see that they were not going to win that game. I mean, Alex Smith had no, I don't know if he has no ability to throw it down the field, but uh, and nobody's letting them throw it down the field. And they were not a threat to, in my mind, ever a threat to win that game. So, so we, we, we have that. Uh, and then you have Peyton Manning, you know, this is what it is. And sure, they'll have off weeks, but he's going to beat a good defense anytime as, as long as his line holds out uh, and his ankle holds out. It's just he's going to beat, um, a good defense. So I, I mean, I just, you know, Kansas City has been winning. They were nine and zero. I'm sure they beat some good teams in there, but uh, they did a good, pretty good job on defense on them. But uh, th- there was no doubt that, that they were going to move the ball down the field. And, and you know, we didn't finish with the second equation in the San Francisco game because I look at Denver. And New Orleans is almost the same. They are, first of all, Drew Brees has been playing with the same guys for you know three, four, five, three, four years now. All of his receivers are the same, and they just—they have so many options. It's ridiculous, and he is very good at delivering the ball, and and these guys catch the ball. It's the same thing with Peyton Manning. I mean, uh, amazingly, he has not been playing with these receivers and, and, and their no-names, uh, you know, much many of them. Uh, but you know somebody's going to get open. Somebody's going to get open. And so I look at New Orleans and Denver as the same, a well-oiled machine, multiple options for, uh, you know, for both quarterbacks to go to. I, I You know, to me, they're the... They're the cream of the crop. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's that's pretty apparent with their record and their play on the field. But you look at Kansas City, uh, Denver was averaging 41 points a game before yesterday. So they, they held them to 27. That And as you said, they did their job. You know, you can't hold Denver to much less than that. Uh, mm-hmm. Kansas City played the weakest record, uh, played the weakest schedule through Week 10. Mm-hmm. So it looks like that they were exposed last night. And this is, we talked about, Kwame and I talked about this, I believe last week. With Andy Reid coming in, we'll see how good of a coach he is when they lose two in a row. You know, if they lose next week, then there's trouble in River City. You know, and if they lose, I said that they were due for a two or three game losing streak at some point this year. Then there'll be quarterback controversy and all this stuff. But I think when they go 9-2 and two or 10-2, and two, you're looking towards the playoffs. Is Alex Smith really going to carry you to the promised land? And you gave him some money. 
You traded away, uh, I think, one if not two picks for him. Is he going to take you to the promised land? And Andy Reid, I mean, he's had Donovan McNabb. He's had, you know, Kevin Cobb. He's had Michael, like, he's had these guys that, that can throw the ball. And Alex Smith just seemingly can't do it. It works so well in San Francisco. And barring, uh, I think if Jamal Charles stays healthy, they'll, they'll be okay. But he doesn't really have a great tight end. Anthony Fasano's okay. Uh, Eric Berry is now defending tight ends. Which is like their new thing. It's it's like a Jimmy Johnson thing. You bring the cornerbacks and you make them def- you make them linebackers. I don't know if that's going to work that long, especially with these big tight ends that they're going to have to play. Like Julius Thomas, six yard six yard slant, uh, six yard slant into the end zone last night. There was no chance for Eric Berry because he's six foot. He's six foot two hundred pounds. He's their best secondary guy, but he's not going to be able to match up against tight ends. So so there are definitely some holes in Kansas City's plan. I just don't know if the execution will be there, and if you stop the run. I don't think Kansas City has a chance. So I mean, but, but, but let's let's go back to the San Diego analogy. They were two and fourteen last year. They were probably three and thirteen the year before. Not bad for a first year, with maybe not all of the players you want to have. So, you know, this is if you ask the Chiefs fans, they're probably pretty darn happy right now, even if they do lose two in a row. I mean, they've got a they've got a good team now. Um, they seemingly have a good coach now, and they've got a future. So, I, I, you know, he, he's not playing with his guys yet either. And, and maybe, that will be, um, maybe that will be a quarterback, or, you know, maybe he... Uh, I mean, look at Alex Smith's record his last year with... Uh, well, up until he got hurt uh, with, um, with uh, San Francisco... The year before, we threw that pass in the playoff game against New Orleans and knocked them out. Um, and now he's, you know, he's he's you know nine and one. So he, he's not chopped liver, obviously. Uh, I agree with you that he's not w- what you could have. But uh, again, um, first year coach, first year players, that can change. Yeah. So that's exactly they're the San Francisco of the AFC. I mean, take away Anquan Bolden this year to the San Francisco of the AFC. You you have a high-profile co- uh, coach, even though Jim, it was Jim Harbaugh's first year. Uh, so that would probably be the only difference. The defense has scored a bunch of touchdowns. If you don't score an offensive touchdown in seven quarters, like the, the pass to Dwayne Bowe last night was their first offensive touchdown in seven quarters. That is, you can't withstand that. And think you're going to do anything? I mean, granted, luckily for them, they they got a couple. Uh, there was a fumble return and a, and a pick six two weeks ago. I just don't think that with Alex Smith at the helm, anything good will happen right now. And and as you said, you know these aren't his players. He did trade for Alex Smith, uh, Andy Reid, because he has the keys to the castle now. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see with their low draft pick if they'll draft a quarterback. Well, It'll let me be just ask you a question. Switch. Switch switch quarterbacks last night. Put put uh, put uh, Alex Smith on Denver. A lot more weapons there. You know, a lot more weapons there. But you I have mean, a- all he did was throw the bow last night. I mean, that's all I saw him. He, he threw. That's all he can throw to. I mean, the, if they switched positions, then forget about Peyton. But I mean, if he was the co- if he was the quarterback of Denver, he probably would have done a lot better. I mean, he wouldn't be able to throw the ball down the field to Demarius Thomas. 
He'd be throwing the ball to Wes Welker, Julius Thomas, and Eric Decker. That would be his wheelhouse. And he'd have, and he'd have, uh, well, I mean, he'd have a comparable running back. I mean, obviously not as good as Jamal Charles, but. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, more weapons. So maybe next year, instead of uh, drafting a quarterback uh, this year, they, they, you know, draft a wide receiver, you know, with their number one and maybe bring somebody in. Um, uh, and and just maybe I, I don't know I, I'm still troubled by you know not being able to throw the ball down the field. But if you had a little more talent, you'd have you know a little more opportunity to move it. And uh, so he's got to be able to throw the ball down the field. He's a quarterback. I, I just don't know why they don't. <laughs> yeah, want him. and mean, he threw it a couple of times and seemed to throw it fine to me. And it's not even cold yet. <laughs> like in in Denver and Kansas City, when it gets cold, when it starts snowing, that will be the potential monkey wrench for Denver and or Kansas City. I would say Kansas City first, but I feel like if you have to rely on the run, Kansas City has an edge. So that in and of itself might change the whole makeup. It, coming into the playoffs, if Denver has a home game, if I were paid Manning, I want to go on the road. Somewhere warm. I, I wouldn't want to play, and then you have the say they get say Denver gets to the Super Bowl this year in the Meadowlands. Who knows? Say say the Giants like something. And listen, I said when the Giants were zero and six that they would win that division. Still, that they had a good chance to win the division. They've won four games in a row. If you get them into the playoffs, watch out. And that's that's what I'm looking at from the NFC, and they're going to be playing at home in the cold that they're used to. If Denver makes it to the Super Bowl and they're playing somebody from the, from the NFC in a cold-weather town, we could have an issue. And, and, yeah, I mean, we could and, have an issue the rest of the year yeah. when it gets cold and they have to go into Kansas City. I mean, that's all, you know, I, I think between that and Seattle, those are the two loudest stadiums there is, and you're right. Because all of this, you know, running fleet of foot, fleet of foot down the field and being tossed the balls, that that all changes when it's freezing. It all does, and you know, I think uh, I think that that is that that's when Vince Lombardi football takes over. You know, uh, palm the ball, play defense in, in those cold weather games. So it's a good point. Yeah. So well, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to segue. We're going to skip through the break. We're going to segue into the NBA for a little little bit. We have about eight minutes left. Uh, Michael Clancy on the phone. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me today. Um, NBA. What is the most exciting thing to you thus far? Is what I want you to think about. I'm going to tell you first. The exciting part to me, uh, obviously, Golden State and Minnesota are, are my are my two favorite teams in the NBA uh, to watch. I think that Kevin Love is making a great case to become a Laker in two years in 2015 when he becomes a free agent. Uh, the East, who is supposed to be this dominant, dominant conference that's gonna that's gonna win the that's gonna win the NBA championship for years to come, ain't looking so hot right now. And they have five teams, four teams over 500, and one of those is five and three. One of those is six and four. So it doesn't look as though. The Bulls are going to be anything like everybody thought they would. It doesn't look like Cleveland's going to be... A, well, they might be a playoff team, but they're not going to be in contention. Andrew Bynum's already talking about retirement. Philly, after starting hot, is now 5-6. and six. So, I mean, it, I, is it again a, a two-team race in the Eastern Conference with Indiana and Miami again? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, to answer your first question, the most exciting thing in the NBA to me is the San Antonio Spurs at 9-1. and one. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Again, again, again. I think, but I think and, that's oxymoronical if you have San Antonio and exciting. So that, I mean, well, <laughs> for, co- for the you, commonplace man, commonplace man. I am man. excited about that because they're the, they're the only team, I, I think Miami plays the right way. I do think they play the right way. But these guys, whoever they beat Friday night, I think it was the Knicks or somebody, that, 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 that the opposing, an opposing Jazz. player came out Jazz. and said, this is, why can't everybody, why can't we play this way? Why can't we play the right way? You know? So that, that, that's exciting to me that um, they can do that with all the hype of everybody in the league and the Clippers and everybody, that they're still going down the road and winning, 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 and, you know, except for one shot, they'd be the defending champions. Yeah, that was, that's why you, that's why you signed Ray Allen right there. Yep. So with them, uh, the Clippers, you know, they're fine. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I've said this a couple times, that they're the Phoenix Suns of now with Steve Nash when they win a whole bunch of games and then, and then kind of pitter off during the playoffs when you actually have to play half-court offense to win and, if if San Antonio plays half court offense all the time, I mean they've they've uh, kind of reinvented themselves the past couple of years because they've scored they've been scoring a lot more points and that's all Greg Popovich. You know, it's instead of putting putting the motor on on forward on on uh, on blast on boost, uh, they used to just play defense and, and win seventy five sixty eight. So it's exciting that that they're actually scoring points now. And yes, I mean they're 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 old faithful. So I mean they're nine and one and they've made forty one of forty six playoffs forty one playoffs in forty six seasons uh in in their uh existence with the ABA and the NBA, which I think is a mind boggling number because you know, there there were dark days and then they won the lottery and got Tim Duncan and it was back to the races again. So and don't 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 forget that they're rebuilding on the fly. Oh yeah. I mean it's all it's all organic. Leonard, yeah. Danny Green, uh that you know there, they probably have somebody they drafted late this year that's going to turn out to be, you know, a great player. Well, they had Corey Joseph last year that you loved. Yeah, yeah. Corey Joseph. But so, you know what? There, there's a model franchise uh, for me right now. So, who do you think comes out of the East? Who do you? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, pre- I'm gonna, I'm gonna rephrase. Who do you think can truly challenge the Heat coming out of the East? Oh, we know Indiana can. Um, we know. I, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I think Chicago's just—I don't know—they've lost their way somehow. I don't know that they can—that they can. You know, they got Derrick Rose back, but you know, the rest of their team is pretty good. But I'm not sure that they're built for the built for the playoffs. So I'm just—I'm thinking pretty much Indiana. Yeah, I mean, and the Brooklyn project doesn't seem to be working thus far. No. I mean, it, well, it's, I mean, it's only—it's only ten percent of the way through the season. So a lot of things. This is where the overstatements come. This is where you know people jumping to conclusions way too early. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Golden State looks looks formidable. You know, they look formidable. David Lee stays healthy. Andrew Bogut stays healthy. Who knows what can come out of what can come out of Northern California? I mean, they're they're really exciting, and they gave San Antonio a run for their money last year. Steph Curry's learned that Russell he's learned what Russell, Russell Westbrook has not, which is learned how to become a point guard. Russell Westbrook's numbers are gaudy. Fine, he's an all-star every year. That's great. Uh, 
But Steph Curry, say Clay Thompson is is on fire, their shooting guard. Steph Curry won't take another shot. Like he's learning how to mold himself into becoming a facilitator as opposed to just a scorer that he was when he was at Davidson. And Russell Westbrook is still me first, even though he'll get his assist numbers just because now he draws more attention so there'll be more open guys. But he's never really playing for other people. It's seemingly he's just playing for himself. So I, I, wow. love, I love that Steph Curry's taken that step forward with the ankle injuries that he's withstood from his first couple years. He looks fully healthy, and I mean, he, he might be one of the greats when it's all said and done. Well, I think you got a problem. It's it's uh, you, you have a problem when all of your points come from outside in the in the playoffs. Yeah, it's pretty easy breezy during the regular season, jack them up. Uh, but if you can't play half court, um, and I think that the Thunder found this out, uh, I'm who are you going to go to? I mean, who? who David Lee. Bogan? Andrew Bogut averages about uh, four or five points a game. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, they're a great regular season team, a lot of fun, good shooters. I'm not sure that a outside-oriented team has has ever won the NBA championship. I, I could be wrong, but I don't. In the new era of the Oklahoma Cities and Warriors. I'm not sure that that's uh, ever happened. Yeah, well, I mean, David Lee, that's why they brought him in. was to have a, He has a low-post game, and if you can run two-man games with him and Klay Thompson or him and Steph Curry, just because they rely on the three, because they're probably the best backcourt in shooting three-pointers in the league, Klay Thompson is so much better than people give him credit for. And he's starting to have his coming-out party this year. He's 6'7". He can shoot the lights out, but he also can, can dribble drive. So... I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I agree. But who who's to say that that that, that could change? Who, who that that can't change? Especially with two yeah. guys that can get 25 rebounds combined down low when healthy and when played in the minutes. Who knows? David Lee's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. I mean, he's like a Kevin Love light, is what he is. So I'd, I'd like to see another big guy down there. You know, or, or a replacement for. Well, both. I mean, well, they have, they have Jermaine O'Neal now too. Even though he's, you know, he, he's a he's he's a cautionary tale for coming out of the coming out of uh, high school to the NBA. But I mean, he's serviceable. He's seven feet. He can block shots. Uh, we do have to go. Uh, man, this this uh, flew by. Um, we've covered a lot today, uh, Michael Clancy. Thank you for joining me, uh, Alex Clancy. Follow me at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Uh, check out the fan page on Facebook, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Like us, follow us uh, four days a week, 10 a.m. Arizona, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 12, a.m., 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, for those of you that are questioning it. Uh, Alex Clancy, I will be back tomorrow. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.